Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about. No Fun, the Jen Kirkman Podcast, Season 11, Episode 2. Hi, I'm your host, Jen Kirkman. Oh, I got my ear pierced. Why just one ear, Jen? I'll tell you. Because it was a triple piercing on my right ear. I already have both my ears pierced. Got my ears pierced when I was eight years old in the 80s at the mall, I think at a Claire's. I probably didn't actually get it done at I'm not saying E-Claire, by the way. I'm saying uh, Claire's. Claire's was the name of a costume shop. Not a, no, costume jewelry. Costume jewelry. You went, you got your ears pierced. It's become such a cliche to say, I got my ears pierced at Claire's. I don't even remember if I did. It's not even my memory anymore. It's just the collective Generation X declaration. I don't even know if there was a Claire's where I went. I probably went to the Dedham Mall in Massachusetts. Who knows? But whatever. The equivalent of that is where I got my ears pierced. I think I I could see a world where my mom took me to the pediatrician. I feel like they did that back then, but I don't think so. See, I don't even have my own memories anymore. When you get to a certain age, you just, your brain goes, I heard this somewhere, and then it becomes one of your memories. But anyway, so had my ears pierced when I was eight, which is, was pretty much a big deal back then. Like I had friends who were allowed to do whatever they wanted. They were latchkey kids. They, you know, they're both of their parents worked and their older teenage siblings would just quote, watch them when they got home from school. And I had a friend who 
I mean, basically lived on her own since she was eight in, in that way. And her parents were very strict about ear piercing. You cannot get it done until you're 13. And here I was not a latchkey kid at all. Specifically because my dad's job was basically at our house as the groundskeeper of a golf course. We lived on the course. So everybody was always around. My mom, you know, worked at a school. So she was home at the same time that I was. There was no latchkey. I didn't even have a copy of the key to the house for you know, some kind of emergency. Jennifer, you'll lose it and then someone will walk in and steal everything as though the key had our address on it or something. Any, whatever. I'm really getting off topic here. My parents, way overprotective. For some reason, ears pierced at eight, no big deal. So got my ears pierced at age eight again. Who can say where, but definitely some kind of mall situation in the 80s. And then maybe about five years ago, I got them double pierced at a tattoo shop in Los Angeles. Not as cool as it sounds. I mean, these days, if you want to get a piercing, you usually go to a really, I was going to say really nice. I don't know what that means, but but a, a, a proper tattoo place where, you know, it's they, they deal in needles and sterilization all day long. And they usually do needle piercings in the ear. I had never heard of this. So when I went, I was waiting for that hole puncher type thing that pierced your ear at the mall in the 80s that just clamps around your ear and goes cha-chung and it pierces the ear and the earring goes in, you know, at the same time. But uh, when I went to the tattoo place, I was sitting in this chair and they were doing all, you know, the swabbing, the alcohol on the ears and all that kind of stuff. And I see them take out this needle, not a needle like you're about to get a vaccine, but a needle like you're going to thread something. And I says, is this how you pierce? And they said, yeah. And they said, that that's what everyone does these days. Those old ka-chunk things, that's, that's just old school. Nobody does that anymore. Oh, all right. I was a little nervous. I was like, this seems like it's going to hurt. Because, you know, the force of the hole punch on your ears is what pierces the skin. But a needle, you got to have someone really poking you, you know, to go through blah. And, you know, the needle piercing is no more or less painful than the hole puncher. But whatever, that's how they did it. I didn't really like that kind because then they put a certain kind of earring on that has a backing that I find very hard to get off. And whatever. So I've always wanted to get my ears triple pierced, but I never wanted to deal with that needle piercing again. So I found a place in my neighborhood in Brooklyn that pierces ears and you can choose needle or the old, as I call it, the hole puncher. Now, I only got one, one triple piercing. Why am I afraid to be so badass that I have three earrings on each ear? No, I just think it's cool to have that asymmetrical thing. I don't know why. And also, I sleep on my left ear pretty much, and I don't want to deal with a month of it feeling sore. But really, I just kind of like the look of, oh, this one's a little different. And that could be the middle-aged, I'm in my funky aunt period. You know, I have nieces and nephews, and now my niece and my nephew have babies, not together, you know, separate, separate babies, separate people that they made babies with. Don't worry. 
So now I'm literally a great aunt. And it's time now. It's time to just let it take over that I do things now that older women do, but not, not necessarily like what a grandma does. You know, we're not doing grandma chic where I'm wearing a cardigan at the beach. I'm doing funky aunt. She lives in Brooklyn. She's got leopard print wallpaper. And I do, by the way, I have new wallpaper. And she's got one of her ears triple pierced. I remember my aunt growing up had an asymmetrical haircut. She had sort of a very short bob, like short pixie bangs and a bob that went, her hair went almost like right over her earlobes, really short. But one side was that long and the other was like to her chin. So it was like one side was to her chin and one side was up above her ear. And it didn't look wild like punk rock. She looked totally normal. Like she could be your human resources person. But looking back on it now, I think that was her. Like I'm the fun aunt. And she was um, until she uh, wasn't. I think 2016 changed a lot of people. If you know what I mean, I'm not going to go into it. Trying to have some fun here. Well, I know it's called the No Fun Podcast, but it's not called Ruin Your Life by reminding you of the time that Trump was elected president and everyone in your family became a monster. That's not what this podcast is called. I don't like to... Some guy left me a comment on my YouTube page and uh, he said, oh, your New York politics. First of all, dude, okay. If you want to be right wing, go ahead. Enjoy your life. Vote for whom you want. But if you want to accuse me of having a politic that you don't agree with, well, first of all, you don't even have to accuse me. You can just say, I think your politics is stupid. I literally would respect that. But don't tell me how I came about my politics because you're only revealing how you came about yours. Does that make sense? You're new. You're, now that you live in New York, you're New York. No, no, no. See, I'm not that easily swayed by things. My New York politics. Um, I think the mayor of New York and the governor are both disasters. They're both Democrats. What am I, in lockstep like a Hitler youth? No, I think they're ridiculous. And I think I'm not even just, oh, I disagree with the policy here. And they're, they're actively making the city and the state worse from their COVID policies to their housing policies to safety. I, they're, they're terrible at their jobs to the point where I'm like, are you some kind of plant where you're trying to be terrible? Anyway, I don't like the do nothing progressive socialist types that's, that win seats in New York. It's not because they're too liberal for me and I'm a neoliberal corporate whore. No, 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 no. Because they're not really good at legislating. Okay. So this whole notion that I'm this liberal who moved to New York and got, you know, more liberal. It's like literally the opposite. All I do is complain about the Democrats here. And, but I didn't get less liberal, but I'm just saying like, if, if you were to hear me rant on paper, um, you would probably think I was some kind of right winger with how much I can't stand the people in my party that run the city and state. I miss California. I love all the people most, I think that serve in California. Anyway, so you're New York. But so the reason the guy said that is because I did an episode of No Fun a few weeks ago where on the Patreon part, I ranted about a family member of mine who has never been to New York City, but he watches Fox News all the time. And he told me how dangerous New York is. And I said, it's literally not like statistically, 
the gun crime is lower than it was in the 90s. And ironically, we just had our gun laws completely destroyed here where it's just like all restrictions lifted. I think you can open carry, but not in a theater. Um, and New Yorkers are still like, yeah, we don't need to do that. So we're not gonna, we can go to Burger King without open carrying, you know? And New Yorkers, of, of all the people in America who actually should walk around with machine guns strapped around them is New Yorkers. Because I don't know if you've seen a rat in New York City lately, but they're big. And and I'm telling you, within a year, mark my words, they'll be walking on their hind legs and just bitch slapping people. They will be. And so I think we should walk around with automatic rifles, semi-automatic, whatever you call your little guns there. So anyway, so I was going off on this family member of mine that tried to tell me New York was dangerous. And uh, I was just talking about how his brain was warped. How do you tell someone that where they live is a thing when you're trying to say, and I'm, I'm thinking he's, he's worried about me. So I said, oh, don't worry about it. It's very safe. And he said, well, keep your wits about you. And I, you know, went on a rant about, well, of course I do, because I'm a woman. You know, like, what does he think? I Even if even if you said, Jen, you live in the safest city in the world, there's never been crime. I, I, <laughs> I'm keeping my wits about me because there's men walking around, you know? Anyway, so now the guy is not a Patreon subscriber, but I, I used a clip of it on my YouTube page. And just a 40-second clip out of context, this man lost his mind because I was stating facts that New York City is very safe. And I, I know that people don't believe in facts anymore. I don't mean, and that's F-A-C-T-S. I know a lot of people don't believe in faxes anymore, and that's fine. We don't want to get faxes. We've moved beyond that. But anyway, so he he's going on and on. You're, you're New York politics. That's why I don't listen to the podcast anymore. I mean, New York, there's not politics to say statistically gun violence is down. That's not a political statement. You can even have... Uh, you know, the gun issue is political. Do we, do we ban this? Do we that, that, but that, that literally you could have guns that are uh, rampant. You can have, everyone has a gun and you could still have low gun violence. It's not a political statement to say a fact. What do you think? The, the statisticians are lying. There's some uh, a big, big liberal bent there. Like what? <laughs> you know, the, these people need to believe that crime is up because I'm not going to get into it. My whole point of this is got your New York politics. <laughs> Shut. How did I even get on this rant? You guys know. But see, I was doing the ranting and I have ADHD. So now I can't remember. I don't remember how it got to this. Well, anyway, so. Oh, because I was saying 2016, the year that. Yeah. Okay. So I've got my ear triple pierced on the right side. That's right. That's right. Maybe New York is more dangerous now that a badass is walking around. I rescind my comment that New York isn't dangerous. I'm dangerous. Anyway, so I got I go to this place in my neighborhood. Now, first of all, I had been making an appointment at this place online. I don't know, multiple times. I probably made six appointments, blew them all off, canceled them. It's that, it's again, it's part of the ADHD brain. We try to be like, quote, normal people. I'm going to make an appointment and I'm going to put it in my calendar. And then the day comes and I just can't fathom either if it's the only appointment I have that day, getting up and doing it. Oh, I've already got involved in this project at, at my place. Or I'm running around and I've done a million things and 
I can do one more thing, go get the ear pierced, or I can go home. And I will always choose going home every single time. So I'm learning to do something where unless it's something I absolutely need to do for my job or this podcast, which is also my job, or for my health, I don't need to put it on the to-do list. I, I have an awareness that I want to get my ear triple pierced. And it will happen when it happens. I don't need to write it down. I'm not going to forget. I don't need to add it to my to-do list. I don't need to make appointments for it because I'm going to skip them. And then I'm going to beat myself up and say, I don't have any time to do anything or I can't focus. So I rented a car to go to my uh, sister's house on New Year's Eve. I drove it back the next day. And I was returning the rental car in, you know, about a mile away from where I live in Brooklyn. And I just walked back. Well, the bo- if you're if you're uh, if you're anything like me and you're really into details, you're thinking you had a suitcase with you and you walked a mile. No, I I rented the car. The car return place wasn't open on January first, so I parked it in a parking garage next to where I live, and I returned it the next morning on the second. Okay, I know one person out there appreciates that detail, so. So I'm walking back from the car rental place and I walk by this ear pierce shop and I think, well, I got time. I'll just go in as a walk-in. And I went in and I signed up to get my ear pierced. I said, I will take the one that's like the hole puncher. I don't remember what the name is. They certainly don't call it a hole puncher. And this place is very, it's different than a tattoo parlor. It's only ear piercing and they're very dedicated to being hypoallergenic. All of the earrings are made with certain metals that don't make your skin itch or turn green or it's 14 karat gold, all that kind of stuff. And I appreciate that. As someone who likes to wear cheap jewelry, I I, I prefer it's hypoallergenic. So that's their thing. It's very, you know, it's it's for sensitive ears or they are sensitive to keeping your ears from getting sensitive. So I go in, there's a little girl there She's very nervous. She's getting her ear pierced. Now she's not eight. She's probably 12. She jumps out of the chair, goes to the front of the place, and she's sort of sitting in the little window seat. And her mother says to the woman, you know, running the place, she suddenly feels like she's going to throw up. Now I want to go, yes, she's anxious. And the mother believes she suddenly has the flu. And I just, look. I'm not a parent and and I'm glad I'm not because it looks really hard and it looks quite time consuming. It's It would seem as if you never get a break for four seconds, even when you're sleeping. I don't even know how people sleep that are parents. I really don't. And I don't mean because the kid cries and wakes you up. I mean, how your body actually allows itself to go unconscious in a way, in a home where you have children. You, I, that, I mean, no judgment. I'm not like, can you believe these people are sleeping? They have kids. Um, They need to stay awake all night. But my body, I feel like, would be like in fight or flight trying to stay awake all night to make sure, I don't know, my kid's breathing or something. This is is why you don't want me to have kids. Too neurotic. But anyway, the little girl's at the front. She's nauseous. Her mother's taking it very seriously. Oh, my God, want me to get you a ginger ale? I'm like, she's anxious, you freak. Like, she's about to get her ear pierced. All of a sudden, she gets nauseous and runs away. Dude, unless you came here knowing she had a stomach flu, treat the anxiety that's happening, stop telling her that they're going to go get a ginger ale and asking the woman that works there, do you have ginger ale? I mean, whatever. I, but I don't want to butt in and be like, um, I'm pretty skilled with anxiety. But 
then a guy came in, like a young, like a, maybe a 14-year-old with his mom, and he was just getting earrings. And I just thought that was fun because it wasn't like, I'm, I don't know, it was just just dudes wear earrings now. I mean, they did in the 80s too. I don't know what I'm talking about. But um, I don't know. There was just something fun about it. Like he had just done well on a test or something. And so this was his present. But so anyway, so then it's my turn. And I sit down and she does the thing and it hurts a little, but it's totally fine. And then she says, now what's your aftercare plan? And I'm like, my who, what, uh, what's your aftercare plan? I literally thought she was saying, what are you doing today for the rest of the day? But saying it in a weird way. And I said, oh, I don't have any plans today. So, so the woman pierces my ear When she's done, she says, what's your aftercare plan? I completely misinterpret it and think that she's asking what I have going on for the rest of the day. Maybe, you know, because it's January 2nd and everybody is off of work that day, maybe I'm having a self-care day or a date with myself day. And I say, you know, I don't really have any plans. I'm just going to see where the day takes me. I mean, I just walked by here on a whim, so who knows? And she looked at me like... I was, uh, I don't know, unhinged and said, well, that's nice. Um, but, uh, what's your aftercare plan with taking care of your ear? And I said, I don't know. Because again, aftercare, I mean, when I got my ear pierced at the needle place, there was some aftercare, but I thought that was because it was a needle, which is different. I, I don't know why I thought that, but aftercare with the little hole puncher thing that I got when I was eight years old in the 80s, I said, oh, I don't know. Do I put rubbing alcohol, hydrogen peroxide on it and twist the earring? She looked like I said, do I take a baseball bat and just start hitting animals in the street? She was like, no. I said, oh, okay. She said, no, no, that that will tear your ear. And I'm just thinking, it's not gonna. Like when I was eight and I had little baby lobes, and I got them pierced, we would twist them and put hydrogen peroxide in them. And you hear that snap, crackle, pop of the hydrogen peroxiding doing its thing. Keeping your ears real germ-free. I don't know what it does, but I always thought that was like, oh, it's more potent than rubbing alcohol. And, and she said, no, no, no. You'll tear your ear. Again, I'm not going to tear my ear. Didn't tear my baby ears. It's not going to tear them now. I felt like I was suddenly around an overprotective mother who was young enough to be my daughter. And she said, not hydrogen peroxide. That's too strong. It'll dry your ear out. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. 
It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. I mean, it won't. I'm not, I'm not filling a bathtub with it and putting my ear in it for four hours. I'm just putting it on a cotton swab. And let's be honest, I probably won't even do it twice a day. I'll do it once every two days. But also, if the earlobe dries out, is it? Am I going to die? I can't. I, well, who might have not have some dry ears? How about this? If the ears look dry, I'll stop doing it. But she says, "Oh no, we have this solution," and she pulls out something that looks like something you clean your eyeglasses with. It was just saline solution. I said, "Oh, okay." And you do that, and you spray it. Now, don't twist the earring. Now, I got to tell you something. My ear is really sore. I've been doing the saline, not twisting. And it was really sore and kind of swollen and red looking. And let me tell you what I did. I stopped doing what she told me and I've started to use the hydrogen peroxide and twist the earring. Guess what? It's totally fine now. It doesn't hurt at all. I'm, I'm just, look, I, I don't want to be one of those old people. In my day, we did everything. We did everything right. No, I don't mean, guys, I, I'm not trying to be the... Let's not take care of ourselves. Let's not get better. I mean, when someone young says to me that I'm acting all boomery, I'm like, you don't even know the self-care I do. I'll blow you off the planet in a competition of self-care, okay? Are you at the dry sauna? Are you taking elderberry every day? Are you doing all the things I'm doing? Are you dry brushing? Get out of here, okay? Get out of here. I'm self-care queen. Are you intermittent fasting? Are you to stop it? Okay. And I'm all for uh, finding out that something I did in the 80s is not the best way to do things. I've already done that in my life. It's called go to therapy. But I tell you, once in a while, just once in a while, not, not often, but, but often enough, once in a while enough to, to tell a funny story about it. I see people maybe being a little too precious with everything. And I go, listen, we don't have to do all this hoo-ha. And so I made a little video about it. I put it on TikTok when I was walking home. And for the most part, everybody got it. And it got a lot of engagement. And it got a lot of views, you know, like, I don't know, 50,000 views and likes and lots of comments. All the Gen Xers were weighing in. My friend just pierced my ear with her fingernail, you know, in in the graveyard. But a few people were like, this is the problem with your generation. You don't want to learn anything new from us. It's like, you know, I know about saline. And I'm telling you, I just don't, I'm not worried about hydrogen peroxide in my ears. I'm not trying to deny anyone from a new generation there the way they want to do things. But I just thought it was funny. Oh, that was the other thing. When I walked in, they said, and don't worry, everyone's a trained nurse. A trained nurse? Get them to the hospital where there's just, you know, an overload of, of uh, RSV and COVID and, and other respiratory. We don't need trained nurses at the ear piercing shop. I mean, that's what I thought was so funny. Don't worry. They're all trained nurses. In my wildest dreams, would I not, would I think I don't need a trained <laughs> a certified nurse to pierce my ear? Oh my God. Anyway, I was just saying things have changed. And you know what? Some things have changed for the better. Some things have changed for the worse. Some things have just changed in a lateral move where we're just doing a little too much that we don't need to. That's all I'm saying. 
Because the same generation that brought you trained nurses doing your ear piercing also brought you the hustle and grind culture. And that's not working out either. So I'm just saying, everyone take everything down one notch. And remember I said that last week too, we're still in it. We're still in the new year. We're taking it down one more notch. Okay. This week I have fun stuff to tell you about. I had a toe surgery. I'm walking around with a boot and a cane. I got funny stories about my family. I'm going to talk about a million things. You'll see it in the show notes below. If you want to join my Patreon, you can hear the rest of this episode for $4 a month. You can even pay $3 a month, but you won't get this week's episode, but you'll get two episodes a month. Those are ad-free and they're usually 60 to 90 minutes. Great community over there. People leave stuff in the comments and there's no trolls and no weirdos. And it's just a great time. So come on over and just go to patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman and you don't have to listen to it on the website You can put in this little link and download it on your favorite podcast app as though nothing ever changed, except you won't hear ads and you'll hear the whole episode. And you can just click the link that I'm going to put in this here show notes to take you to that. And again, thank you for listening. And even if you don't join, we'll be back here. We, it's just me. I will be, I'm doing it again. I'll be back here next week with uh, the first 20 minutes of the episode. So until next week, or until I see you on the Patreon, have fun. Hello, everybody. Well, let's get going with this week's episode. So, oh, right before I started recording, I took a shower for the first time in four days because of this foot surgery, not because I'm one of those disgusting white women I'm reading about or white people, not just women. I didn't know this until Twitter that white people don't shower, or maybe it is more of a white woman thing. And I'm very fascinated with it because it's just too many examples to not be a truth. Do you know what I mean? It's not a cliche. It's not a, a stereotype. It's a, it's kind of a truth. So I'm seeing on Twitter, and it's not just, this isn't recent. It's just been over the years that, you know, these little things start trending where white women are somehow revealing that they don't wash their feet in the shower because they think the soap just drips off and then cleans the feet or they don't wash their legs or they don't use any kind of a washcloth or something. They're just sort of soaping up with their hands and, and, and black women are like, what? They're like, why are white people so dirty? And then, you know, or people just like don't take a shower before they go into a pool or they go into a pool and think that's a shower and then they don't shower for a day. Uh, That is I've always used a washcloth. I've always washed my feet. I've I've just, I can't, I can't. I did not know this about my own people. And then I thought, does this go back to, like, honestly, does this go back to some kind of Victorian era or like colonizer days where white people couldn't be bothered to wash themselves? I mean, I know that bathing habits were different before hot water and electricity. I don't mean that for that reason. I mean, for some kind of, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. i horrified. Anyway, but I don't know how people do it. I was so gross after one day and, but anyway, so I'm not supposed to get the dressing, the bandages basically around my right foot wet. And 
So I'll tell you that story in a minute, but I had to get this boot to shower with, but I was given no information that I would need to get this boot. And then I had to wait for it to come through Amazon, which I, I chose next day delivery. And then they do that thing. We're like, oh, wait, it's coming in two days, but we already shipped it. But anyway, I just feel so great. I, I was really affecting my mood too. I was in a bad mood. And I think it was because I felt so dirty. But yeah, I had this uh, a f- kind of a fun experience getting my Morton's neuroma surgery. Well, there's two kinds of surgeries for the Morton's neuroma. One is a little more serious. You, I think you go under anesthesia. I think they pretty much take out the part of the nerve that has the Morton's neuroma on it. And then you have a 20% chance of having a stump nerve where your nerve is looking for somewhere to flow and go. And so then you just have all this like phantom pain in your foot. A Morton's neuroma is this thickening of the nerve tissue. So it's it's benign always. So if someone says you have a Morton's neuroma, it's not like, oh, we've got to test it and see if it's a cancerous kind. There's no such thing. Always benign thickening of the nerve tissue between the third and fourth toes. That's where it always is. That's what it is. And it just has to do with the way you walk and how the pressure on the ball of your foot is affecting that nerve. Really doesn't have anything to do with wearing high heels. I suppose people could get it from that. Mine's just from the way my foot was made. It was made by the good Lord. Anyway, so I had this newer fangled procedure where you don't have to go under anesthesia. That's like more of a cryogenic thing where they freeze the tissue off as much as they can. So anyway, but I thought it was so funny because I posted about this and somebody uh, somebody that runs a Golden Girls Moments account on Instagram said, Dorothy had this. And I was like, they did an episode about Morton's Neroma? <laughs> and they did. So here's the clip. Now, again, in the 80s, they didn't have the cryosurgery that I did. So she had to get the real deal kind. That, that's it's a bitch to recover from too. A lot harder than what, I'm, what I did. So here you go. That I have to have surgery. <gasps> surgery oh. for what? For kicks, Rose. <laughs> uh, no, I have a condition called Morton's Naroma. Oh, I think I had that once. But how the heck did you ever catch it in your foot? He said I have. Oh, classic. For kicks, Rose. I love that. So, but I, okay, so I throw a fit, mild fit. It, it's not even a fit. I, I I didn't raise my voice. I didn't do anything physical. But looking back on it, I'm so embarrassed about it that it feels like I threw a fit. But I, I threw a fit at the nurse practitioner or nurse aide or whoever, whatever she was um, at the surgery for asking me to take a pregnancy test. Now, I don't know why. I just flipped the fuck out. So... I'll take you, I'll take you down the, the whole trail. So I arrive... And we have to do the intake. Now, here's the thing. I get told, okay, you know, the doctor that's dealing with me, she's also the one doing the surgery. So she diagnoses it. Here's an option. You can do this surgery. Great. Okay. See you next week. She says, now we're going to call you the day before and go over everything that you need. I said, great. 
everything you need to bring, aftercare, blah, blah. Phone rings the day before, I answer. This woman doing the intake on the other end asks my name. I confirm it. She says, your appointment's at noon. I said, yep, I know. And then she's about to get off the phone. And I said, wait, that's it? I thought there was this whole thing where I'm told what I have to do and bring and aftercare. And she said, well, no, we'll tell you about the aftercare after. And I'm like, okay. But I'm thinking, do I have to tell you? I don't know. She'd mentioned, my doctor had mentioned something. They're going to ask you for proof of your COVID vaccine. But she didn't mention anything about that. I had my card in my wallet anyway. But I said, so there's nothing else you need to tell me. No, just 12 o'clock, which I already knew. I said, okay, see you then. Of course, that's not right. There's a million things they could have told me, but I get there at 12. And this nurse person sits me down. Now, she's we're in a small room, not ventilated, no window, like a, the size of maybe a walk-in supply closet. It's the the little room that, if you open the door, you're in the waiting room. And then if you open another door, you're in the little surgery room or, you know, a big surgery room, but bigger than this small room. We're in. Now we're in this room. Now I have a mask on. Now I don't have, you know, some mask on that a surgeon would have on. I've got an N95 or KN95. I think it's fit pretty well. I tested that morning on a rapid test. I don't have COVID, but this, this woman doesn't know that. She's got no mask on. She's got a hairnet on, though. Oh, good. Definitely put the hairnet on before the surgery when you're doing the intake. You never know who might have lice. But def- yeah, no mask. Why would you need a mask for when strangers are coming in off the street during a pandemic that you're sitting in a fucking unventilated room with? You're a nurse, for God's sake. Oh, my God, you guys. We are just so fucked. Okay. So I said, oh, before we start, because I didn't know how long this intake was, you know, what, what all the questions were. I said, can I just use the bathroom really quick? And then she says, oh. And then the way she jumped, just I was trying to think ahead of what she might be jumping about. And I thought for a minute she was going to say, there's no time to pee. You came right on time. Or like, I don't know what she was going to say. So I was kind of not clued into what she did say. It took me a minute, but also she pronounced this word weird. She was trying to say menses, but she said menses. And maybe, the, listen, maybe I don't, you know, I don't, I don't speak Latin. Maybe that's how you say it, but I've never heard anyone call menses, menses. First of all, no one's saying menses, menstruation, um, men, you know, your menses, that's your period. I've never known anybody uh, every doctor I've been to, when dating your last period, 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 period. So she looks at me and she goes, oh, do you still get your menzas? I literally couldn't even begin to guess what she was trying to say. Now, this is, again, I don't want everyone to comment. She's from a different country. She's from Bolivia. No, this is just a New York chick, but probably 24 years old. And she said, do you still get your menzas? I, I literally thought she was saying medicines or I was trying, because my mind wasn't anywhere with the period thing, I was like, do I still get what? Like, I literally, like, honestly, part of me thought she was saying, do you still get your magazine subscriptions? And I'm like, how does she know I moved recently? I, I literally could not. I said, my what? And she said, menzas. And I said, I'm so sorry. I don't know what that is. <laughs> and she goes, 
It reminded me of the time in kindergarten. I've told this story. I'll keep it brief. That I'd never heard the word parents. I was five years old. For some reason, I'd only heard my parents refer to themselves as mom and dad. And so the teacher said, you have to take this home for your parents to sign. And I burst into tears and said, I don't have parents. And the teacher thought I maybe had just lost my parents in some horrible incident. And then she scooted me away to the principal and the nurse. And they said, you do have parents. We just saw them at the open house last night. And then they thought I was lying. And then it took a while for everyone to figure out. I just didn't know what that word meant. Now, I don't know why I burst into tears, but I was just so flustered at a new word. So this menses, I feel the same. I go, well, I, I don't know what that is. I don't think I have one. And she said, I, I, I don't even think she said period. I think I guessed it. I said, menses? My period? Do I still get my period? Is that what you're asking? And she said, yes. Now, it was funny because normally people say, you look so young, but no one's ever said, do you still get, but she must've looked at my date of birth. I said, yeah. She said, we have to take a pregnancy test. I said, no need. I'm not pregnant. She said, it's protocol. I said, but I'm not pregnant. Now here's the thing. I'm going to the bathroom anyway. All I have to do is pee in a cup. It's really, really no big deal. But just on a technicality, again, speaking of menses, I was, you know, I'm PMS, I'm just cranky, and I'm just sometimes just annoyed with rules. And every once in a while, something just rubs me the wrong way. The other one that rubs me the wrong way is marital status at the doctors for men, for women, for anyone. It literally doesn't affect anything. And you could go, no, 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 well, they might offer that you could be on your spouse's insurance or the emergency contact. No, but that never comes, that never comes down to that. They'll say, do you have insurance? Okay, does anyone that you know, you're a dependent on, do they have insurance? And then they'll say emergency contact. It doesn't have to be a spouse. There's no God-given reason they need to know your status. Now they might need to know if they are somehow doing some kind of like taking it into account in a mental health way. Like, oh, I'm going to the doctor because my heart's beating rapidly and I don't know what it is. And they see that I'm married and they might think to ask some, is there trouble at home? But if I was single, there could be trouble at home. I could live with someone. It's just dumb. Like you should always ask, is there something stressful in your life? Or I mean, And it's like, technically I'm divorced, but that was so long ago. Isn't the slate clean? Aren't I single? Like it just, so I just say single, but I also just who like doesn't have to do with anything. Anyway, whatever. So things like that just make me absolutely batshit. So I said, I really don't need to. I, I'm not having sex right now. And she said, well, we still have to go. No, no, no. It's literally impossible. Like, I don't mean just I'm not having it right now. I mean, like, it's been like, it's not like, no. And I said, I just had my period last week. No, I get it. You could technically be pregnant and not know it. We've all seen the show. I didn't know I was pregnant, but not one of those women was like, and I haven't had sex. And I go, oh, what about lesbians? Now, what am I on a lesbian crusade for? I'm like, well, what about lesbians? They have to take pregnancy tests just because they're women. They don't have sex with men. She goes, oh, I don't know. I go, what's well, a weird protocol? If like it, it came down to, and I said, well, what if it's, um, you know, a trans uh, man, you know, like, or I don't know, like, like some, not that a trans man doesn't want to get pregnant, but do you know what I'm saying? Like, or it's um, a celibate, someone who's celibate. There's asexuals out there. That's a whole community, right? And I know celibate and asexual aren't the same thing. Forgive me. But it, it basically came down to this, you know, in this day and age of, of uh, abortion rights being taken away, it came down to this. I don't have time or room for one person telling me, I don't know about my own body. 
for the most part, you can 99% trust any person who is capable of getting pregnant that they know if they're pregnant or not. Now, again, every once in a while, you could even get your period and still be pregnant. I get it. But, but that person would be probably rational and be like, oh, I doubt I am. Like, I got one good egg left. But, you know, I am having unprotected sex where someone, you know, uh, releases sperm inside of me. Uh, so, yeah, I'll take the pregnancy test. I mean, protocol's a protocol. But if I'm like, there's literally no way. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It, it's like, do you think I don't, I don't know my own body or my own experience or my own... It's just annoying. Like, fuck your protocol. Just tell them... I don't get my period anymore. Just lie on the thing. It was so like, and what's going to happen? I'm pregnant. I can't get the surgery. Like, that's the other thing. The test results don't come back before the procedure. So you're going to take a urine um, pregnancy test. Or maybe they do do it because I guess you could pee on a stick. Yeah, I guess they, maybe they are. I never really thought about it before. It always seemed to me that nobody's actually going to get to that pee that I've just put in the box outside the door in time for my procedure. And again, like, I don't want kids. So let's just say I was pregnant and the surgery does something to ruin the pregnancy. I don't fucking care. That's not the point. But the point is, I don't, it was just annoying. I just said to her, like, as a woman, doesn't it annoy you that there are protocols that say we're not allowed to state if we're pregnant or not? We have to be tested because we can't be trusted? Like, that's what it comes down to. And she was just like, I don't know. I mean, I was on it. I was on a thing. I wasn't yelling, but I was just like, I just find this ridiculous. And I just went, Jen, give it up. But I was too late. Um, I already was embarrassed. You know, listen, this is what happens on the days I don't take my ADHD meds. You know, I, I might have an outburst so that I, you know, I pee, I come back. Again, nobody does anything with the pee, so it doesn't matter anyway. And then, um, you know, she finishes the intake and she says, uh, are you allergic to any antibiotics? And I said, yes, penicillin and basically everything in the family. And she goes, well, what happens when you take penicillin? I go, I don't know. I I'm so tired of this question. Guys, I don't know. Maybe I'm not. Like, honestly, maybe I'm not. All I know is I have my medical records from the 70s and in pen says allergic to penicillin. Dr. Salvo wrote it in 1978. I was four years old. I'd had pneumonia that year. I don't know. My mother always says, it can, you're deathly allergic. Now, that would have to have meant that someone gave me penicillin and then I started to die and they gave me an EpiPen or something. I, I don't know. I don't know how we know I'm deathly allergic because here I am. And I don't, as far as I remember, I'll have to ask my mom someday, but I feel like I've asked her before and she doesn't even remember, but it's like at some point someone wrote it down. So let's just go with it.
I know that when I take erythromycin, I start throwing up so violently that I almost can't breathe. And then I start getting hives and my tongue swells up. And same with C-chlor, um, which I think is the generic name for. But but things in the, uh, I can't take a Z-pack. Like I'm allergic to most antibiotics except like the doxycyclines and the sulfurics and all that. Okay, so, which is because I remember during 9-11 when there was this whole anthrax scare, not the band, um, everyone was like, oh, well, you just take Cephachlor or whatever antibiotic and that counteracts anthrax. And I was like, great, I'm allergic to that one. Anyway, you know I'd get 9-11 in here somewhere. Oh, also, the the surgery center, um, the, the Gotham Foot Podiatry Center that I go to is next to the 9-11 Memorial. So there you go. I always keep, I was just, I'm always just trying to keep 9-11 in my heart, guys. It is ironic to go get a foot surgery right where the um, trade center was so that like if anything ever happens again and not a great time to be running around with a boot on your foot, not able to go very fast. But anyway, so I say I have penicillin. She goes, well, what happens? I go, I think I die. She goes, well, do you have like a, she literally wanted me to pull up on the internet. Okay. She knows, she knows I'm old enough that I may not be getting my menzos anymore. But she thinks I have an electronic chart from when I go, it was, it's like it's been since I'm four. She goes, do you have it on a chart somewhere? I go, no, we had pen and paper in the 70s and that's your medical record. There's no computers. She looked at me like I was saying I um, grew up on a prairie before there was running water. I mean, she was just, she, then she kind of laughed and went, okay, as though I was lying. People don't know what happened in the 70s. Okay, so I said, does it matter? I mean, I've never taken it. There's other things. She said, well, just we already ordered you the antibiotics and they're they're like a version of penicillin. And I said, well, why did you do that? I said, I was supposed to have this pre-care phone call and nobody asked me anything. Like, you know, are you allergic to antibiotics? I didn't know you guys were ordering me the antibiotics in advance. And she said, yeah, that's because you won't have to go anywhere on your foot after. I said, that's amazing. But maybe ask about the allergy before you get the medicine. And these are just little details that people like me think of. So she's trying to make it work somehow. Like maybe I don't die from penicillin because I said, listen, you just got to give me something in the doxycycline family. Turns out they had some samples in the office. I'm all set. I'm on the weirdest antibiotic that you have to fast when you take it. Have you heard of such nonsense? It is the worst. I have to fast four hours before and four hours after and no dairy. It was, I mean, it's actually great because it kicked me off into starting to do intermittent fasting again. And because I need to, um, I need for myself, I would like to get 10 pounds of this hormonal weight off that I just haven't been able to do. And I know the intermittent fasting is what works for me every time. And I just haven't had the motivation to do it. Um, and I know for myself that you never wait for motivation. You just have to do something. Uh, so this has helped kick that off. But I really had a great plan for myself to sit around eating ice cream all day when I got home and that wasn't going to be a thing. Anyway, so she does that with the penicillin and I'm like, I don't know, am, am I going to have to, should I be wearing a life alert bracelet or something? I mean, at, at the end of the day, I really bet I'm probably not deathly allergic, but you know, maybe it's the same kind of allergy I get with the erythromycin, which is hives and the throwing up. And maybe when you're four, that looks like you're dying as opposed to when I found out I was allergic to erythromycin, I was 22. It looks just more like you have hives and are puking. So I don't know. 
I mean, I was also told I was lactose intolerant. That's been in my medical chart forever. I'm not, I'm just not just straight up. Not. I mean, if I drank a glass of whole milk, I'd probably have massive stomach cramps, but I think that's because I don't normally drink that never really did. And I don't think we need to drink that. I mean, no judgment if you do. I'm just saying it's not that crazy, but I can eat cheese, ice cream. I don't really think that's, I'm probably just milk intolerant. Who cares? So boring. Anyway, so then I go into the surgery room. Then this little nurse puts her mask on. So she's been literally 20, 25 minutes face to face with me. Again, I have a mask on. Then she puts her mask on when we go in the surgery room. I'm like, I get it. You can't have any germs flying around in the room, but it's just funny to me that if I'd had COVID, she already got it. Okay. So we're in the room. My doctor comes in. I I don't know how old my doctor is. She could be 28. She could be 35. I don't know, but she's definitely young. She's got this deadpan, but not deadpan funny, just almost dead inside. I kind of love it. Like almost like a Wednesday Adams vibe. She's just like, it's not snobby blonde girl Ivanka Trump. It's like, it's not that at all. And that's not what she looks like either. She just has this, um, she's just like, I mean, you could do that or you could do this. So that's just how she talks. And it's not vocal fry either. It's not annoying. It's just the most deadpan slash dead inside person I've ever seen. And it, I find it delightful. It is so soothing for my brain. And it's ironic because I don't have that personality. I don't think I'm necessarily chipper and sunny, but I'm very hyper. And so I enjoy her. Uh, So she comes in and she's got this black um, kind of skull cap with literal skeletons on it. It looks like a Halloween thing. And that's her hairnet for the operation. It's really cute. I said, that's a really cute look. So I don't know. Is she gothy? I don't know. So then she starts in, you know, I'm laying on, this won't get too graphic. I'm laying on a, you know, like a chair. I don't know what you call it. That can go up and down and, you know, and they put a blanket over me and one of my shoes is off. The other one is off as well. But like I have a paper boot on one of my feet, the right foot, totally bare. And she comes in and takes a big old needle and starts inserting it into, you know, my nerve. It's just like getting Novocaine. So it's it's always that ouchie of this hurts because you're numbing me so that you can do surgery. But at some point, you just got to bite the bullet and do one part of something painful with no numbing. And she put lidocaine spray on my foot, but I could feel Ooh, that needle going into the nerve. But, you know. I took a video of me, I mean, not facing me. I took a video of her putting the needle in and you can just hear me breathing going, oh, that wasn't bad. But then <laughs> she had to do more. And then during the surgery, I went, am I supposed to feel this? And she said, no. And I said, oh, I'm feeling it. And she said, oh, okay, we have to numb you more. So it, that hurt a little bit. It wasn't crazy. It was just, I don't know what it was. I was so completely chill and I'm a pretty good patient. The only time that I get a little anxious with stuff is root canals. And that's because they have to prop your mouth open and do all this stuff and you can't really swallow. And that just does something to my nervous system that makes me feel panicky. And then 
if I feel like I can't breathe, I'm already in a weird position. So that's why I love a laughing gas with a root canal. But something like this, where it's just pain, I just don't care. I just had no nervousness. I'm just not a nervous Nelly with this kind of stuff. And so anyway, I'm all numbed up. They're ready to go. Basically, what they do is they put an ultrasound wand under your foot and she looks at the screen and she can see the nerve that she needs to work on and they insert this needle into your foot between your toes and at the tip of the needle is this ball that's, you know, 50 degrees below zero and that's the cryotherapy and it she just places it on the nerve and it shrinks it. And so really the surgery is this precision thing where she's just holding this thing there while holding the ultrasound wand and looking at the monitor. And anyway, but they come by and, you know, the nurse, my friend there puts up a sheet, like I'm getting a C-section. And I said, oh, I can't look. And the doctor said, no, no watching. And I'm like, oh, but I guess that makes sense. I mean, um, it could freak someone out. They could faint. They could get controlling. Hey, what are you, are you doing that right? I don't know what my mood was that day. I was just so in the zone and chill that I think I would have watched it, which is not totally my vibe. So then we're there and she goes, oh my God, you're bleeding a lot. Like you're bleeding a lot. And even though my foot was numb, I could feel the blood trickling down into the parts of my foot that weren't numb. And she said, are you on blood thinners? And whenever anyone asks me that, I start, I go into a panic. The same panic I told you guys that I go into when someone asks me to tap my my debit card. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know what blood thinners are. I'm like, I'm on Vyvanse as needed, an antidepressant, and that's it. But I know blood thinners are aspirins and other things, and I'm not, and I hadn't taken any. I never take ibuprofen or Tylenol. I just hadn't taken any. I hadn't had alcohol the night before. I don't know. Oh, that was the other thing. There was no don't have alcohol the night before. Don't. I mean, I just knew all that anyway, but it's just weird. Okay. So I said, no. And she said, oh, did you just have a baby? And I'm like, no. I'm like, first of all, this bitch thinks I could be pregnant. You think I might have just had it? I go, no. She goes, oh, well, just sometimes when someone's just had kids, they, they bleed a lot. And I said, well, is this bad? Do I have to, I mean, am I like inbred? Am I part of the royal family? I don't know what's happening. Why am I bleeding so much? Are you anemic? And I mean, I've been anemic in life, but my last blood test didn't show any anemia. And that was two months ago. So I don't, I mean, maybe, but I knew this about myself. My blood don't clot. Okay. So I don't know. I got some, I got some problems, but then at one point she says, oh my God, we have to stop the surgery. She's like, she's bleeding so much. And they're just, I'm like, yeah, I can, the sheet's not soundproof. So they stop for a minute and then they keep going. And I'm thinking at what point am I, like, is this a Jeremy Renner thing? Like he lost so much blood with the snowmobile. Like, are we there? Am I getting transferred to the emergency room? How much blood loss do we go from deadpan comments to, okay, we actually need to skedaddle you out of here. But I guess it never got to that point. Um, and then, you know, the surgery's over and she's wiping things down. She goes, it looks like a murder scene here. Your foot just looks like a murder scene. There's so much blood. And I go, can I see it? And she goes, no. And I go, can you take a picture? I'll give you my phone. No. Why can't I? It's my own foot. Why can't I see? If someone says your foot looks like a murder scene, wouldn't you kind of want to see that? 
So I guess I can imagine it. I know what blood looks like, especially since I'm still getting my menzas. So that was it. And then she, you know, puts all the bandages on and they give me this boot. And there's no pain because I'm all numbed up. And they basically send me on my way. And then the nurse comes back over, takes her mask right off the minute we go back into the intake room. She loves that mask off. And she says, oh, can you get your phone out? We have a QR code. Listen to me. Two things in life don't work. QR codes and automatic faucets. Okay. We need to stop with them. It's, listen, listen, I get it. We don't want to be passing around paper because at one point we thought COVID was on Amazon boxes and uh, groceries. But um, since no one's wearing masks anymore, I think we can hand around pieces of paper. And I know the environment, guys, it's not you printing on your recyclable pages, recyclable paper, like aftercare instructions, you know? I mean, you can put it on your website and you can just say, go to our website, but this whole QR code, then it brings you right up to the page, but it doesn't, but it doesn't. I take a photo. I know I put the the camera there. I see the QR code thing. I hit it. And then it takes the website nine hours to load. And she goes, oh, our Wi-Fi doesn't really work. Okay, great. So your aftercare is scan this QR code. You can't look at it right now because the Wi-Fi sucks. She goes, so if you have any questions, I go, well, I don't know what questions to have because I can't look at the, you don't have this on a piece of paper. And I mean, she must be like this bitch from the 1800s. She doesn't have a medical records from the 70s on a computer. She wants paper. And, uh, but I'm like, you're not saving the environment. You're just not at this point, guys. Past the tipping point, but also the environment isn't in disarray because of printing aftercare on a piece of paper. It's so much bigger than that, okay? So I leave. And by the time I'm on the subway, and the internet on the subway is terrible. I don't I don't even bother, but it just somehow came up on my phone and I started reading the aftercare. Well, there's a bunch of things I needed that I could have got at the office. Like so she says to me, "Oh, you can't get it wet for 7 days." And I went, "What? Nobody told me that on the phone and that's information I could have used." I said, "I don't know how to do that." She goes, "Do you have a standing shower?" And I said, "Well, I mean, it's a bathtub." I stand up, I mean, I guess I could take a bath, but I'm not going to take a bath because I don't think my bathtub for me would ever be clean enough to take a bath, even though it's completely clean. That's not what I mean. But I don't know. I just, I don't like baths. It just, ugh. So I said, um, I guess I could just stand with one foot outside of the shower. I've never had this before. And she said, um, well, you could just put a plastic bag around it. I said, oh, okay. Like a shopping plastic bag? Like a, like a, I went to the grocery store or like a Ziploc? She said, yeah, either one. And I said, and then what? Like put an elastic around it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll do that. So, and then I'm on the subway and it says um, something about getting a boot. And I was like, well, I could have gotten this boot. I could have ordered it on Amazon. I could have gotten it at the place. I'm like, whatever, I'll just do the plastic bag thing. I'm sure it's fine. So then I stopped reading the aftercare thing because the website doesn't work because I'm on the subway. So then I get home the next day. I, I went like a day and a half without showering. I felt disgusting. I get in the shower. I take a Ziploc bag. I put it around my foot. I put rubber bands around it. Oh, by the way, so I just walked out of there and, you know, clomped down the street in my boot and got on the subway, zero pain. No, I mean, just zero. 
again, because I was all numbed up. They said, you know, in six hours, the numbing will wear off and then you'll know if you have pain. I had zero, not even a, nothing, no pain. But you have to be very careful on the foot because there's a stitch between your toes. Everything's bruised up and it's just, you know, you got to keep your foot elevated. Not every second, but every time you're sitting down, um, keep your foot up. And then when you're laying down, it has to be above your um, nose, they said. I thought it was heart, but it was nose. So my foot is like Cirque du Soleil up in bed. I wish I had a Craftmatic. So that's the only thing that sucks is I'm having trouble sleeping because just having my foot up or feet up, it just does something. I'm just uncomfortable and I usually wake up every four hours or so. So anyway, the um, I say that like I'm sleeping for 16 hours, you know, every four hours. But so I get home, day and a half goes by. I get in the shower. I, I put the rubber band around the thing. The minute I step into the shower, I can feel it. The entire Ziploc bag fills with water. My dressing is just soaked. And I'm like, oops. And I'm thinking, well, what's the big deal? You know? And so then I go on the aftercare webpage and it says, do not, you cannot get the dressing wet. It can cause infection. It's so bad. If this happens, contact us, blah, 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 blah. And then it says on the website, do not put a plastic bag around your foot and use a rubber band. But I had asked that kooky nurse if I could do that. And she's like, totally. They said, the only thing you can do is get this boot. So I ordered the boot on Amazon. And that's the thing that just came. And it works like a dream. And it feels like your foot's getting wet because the outside of the boot's getting wet. Then you just peel it off and you're dry as a bone. It does feel like you're going to give yourself a blood clot because the boot is so tight, but that's okay. So anyway, I did what the website said and I used a hairdryer on my dressing. And honestly, nothing bad happened. I had no pain. It didn't come undone, but I figured, you know, that happened on a Sunday morning. I'm like, I'm not going to call the emergency line. It got wet. I'm sure it's fine. I always go to this place in my head where it's like, they put these instructions because most people aren't animals. Most people will leave a surgery and go drinking and just start partying in Miami and go swimming and, you know, just act a fool. And and so I, it's, these don't apply to me who just took a shower and got it wet for four seconds. We don't need to be so out of control, right? We don't need to be like the ear piercing all, you know, overprotective. So I just called Monday morning and said, hey, uh, so I talked to the doctor. I said, hey, I got my dressing wet yesterday. She goes, oh, perfect. <laughs> and that was the first time she was deadpan funny. And I said, is this really serious? Do I need to undo the dressing? Do I need to come in? And she said, well, you don't need to come in, but you do need to redress it with dry dressing. If you want to get on a Zoom call, I can show you how. And I said, I, I think I can figure it out. And she said, if you, if you want, we can do it for you, but you can just do it at home. I said, great. So I just unwrapped it and then I had gauze and stuff like that. And I tried to rewrap it the way that she had done it. But of course, I forgot instantly how she had wrapped it around the place where I had the stitch. And I watched it with alcohol swabs and all that. See ear piercing? I put alcohol swab directly on an open wound, basically. It was fine. So, but I put the gauze I think too close to the the stitch in between my toes and I was irritating it because in the middle of the night I woke up with such pain 
that I thought, oh my God, this is why people have heart attacks when something's so painful. It was burning. And I, I felt like I couldn't breathe. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, it's so painful. And then I just unwrapped it and it was fine within seconds. And I was like, okay, I'm obviously touching something I shouldn't. So then I rewrapped it. It's all good. It's been pain-free ever since. Great story, Jen. So that's, but it is one of those things where, you know, I have so many friends going, oh my God, I can't believe, my friend Lisa was in town and I met up with her and we had hot toddies. We sat outside. I was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm COVID safe, guys. I'm really not fucking around with this shit. And sat outside, you know, 30 degree weather. You want to have drinks with me? We do it outside, even in the winter. Lisa was fine with it. So we had hot toddies. It was great. But she's like, I can't believe you came all this way in your boot. I'm like, I literally have no pain. And the boot is fun to wear. It's like, diff- it's different. It's, it's, I'm not looking to get attention. I don't want that. But it's like, hey, I have to wear this weird thing because I had a surgery. I don't know. There's this part of me like a little kid that's like, something cool happened. I had a surgery that wasn't stressful and my insurance pays for it and they they can do this now and they can help you. And sometimes you wear a boot and you just go about your day. I don't know. It was, but it is starting to get annoying. Um, I think if I hadn't gotten this shower thing today, I'd be in much worse shape because I was thinking, how the fuck am I going to I have to go to this thing tomorrow, this meeting in the morning. I'm like, how am I going to go to this thing around professional people and smell? I can't do it. And I like, you think that you can sponge bath, but it, it, it just, the whole thing, it just doesn't work. So that's my story. And, you know, a lot of people are like, I can't, it seems so hard, but it's really the only thing that's hard is the keeping your foot up trying to sleep with it that way. And then this weird timing of the antibiotics. And then antibiotics always make me feel sick. So, you know, I have friends like, I can come over and do something for you. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm nauseous and I haven't slept. So actually the opposite of what I want is anyone doing it. The one thing I can do is walk. I'm allowed to walk as long as I have the boot on. So I have all these friends that are just desperate to be of service, which I love, but they're not listening to what I need. I'm like, I need you to stop putting on me that I'm this independent woman who doesn't let anyone help her. I literally have things wrong that you can't solve. You can't, unless you have anesthesia, like Michael Jackson's doctor, you can't keep me asleep and you can't solve the nausea with the medication that, like, I do little things to help the nausea, but you know, when you're nauseous, like, I don't want someone around me that I have to let into my apartment, that COVID also, I mean, then I have to wear a mask because you're coming over to help me, or I could just lay on the couch and sleep without a mask on. Do you know what I mean? I know I sound like I'm bitching about friends, but this is one friend in particular who just, she will not let up on the fact that she is convinced that I, that I just am too independent and I am so stubborn. And I'm like, I'm literally not stubborn. I love help. It just, there hasn't been a scenario yet where you can help. When I got shingles, she's like, I will help you. I'm like, I know, but I didn't get that weird rash all over my body. So, I mean, you can't do anything except watch me sleep. That's all I'm doing. I'm just sleeping. I mean, again, I, I don't want anyone coming over. I get, again, don't make me wear a mask when I don't have to. Okay. You're like, Jen, we never thought a story could be more boring. More boring and then gory. Sometimes I had to fast forward, Jen. Oh my God, I had so many other stories to talk about. I, have, I still have to talk about the woman at, at the, I encountered that doesn't trust Meghan Markle. I talked to my mom. She's reading the Paul Newman book. 
Oh my God, so many things. We're not going to get to that today. Let's get to one thing that I found so interesting. So there's a Twitter thread. I don't know how I came upon it, but this woman named Dana Parrish, I don't personally know her, but I I think she wrote a book about chronic illness. That's what it says here in her bio. But she, oh no, I'm sorry. This is another thread. Ignore that. I'm going to read Dana's thread another time. This is a a woman named Erin. Erin Bow or Bow, B-O-W. And she's a writer. And she's reading a book right now called See What You Made Me Do by Jess Hill. And it's about the incident in Stockholm, Sweden, for which Stockholm Syndrome is named. And so I see this tweet and she says, you know, I just read in this book, um, So I'll read it. I just read in the book, See What You Made Me Do by Jess Hill about the incident in Stockholm for which Stockholm Syndrome is named, and I am royally pissed on behalf of all women. Buckle up. So I'm like, am I about to learn something new? Am I about to learn once again that some story I've been told is actually not true and is mired in sexism? Yes, I am. So this is fascinating. We've all heard of the phenomenon of Stockholm Syndrome where you fall in love with your captor if you're being kidnapped or held against your will. Or even if it's not fall in love with, you start to admire them and you side with them. Because there's this famous incident where this happened to a woman during a bank robbery in Sweden. I never questioned it. Oh, I guess that's a thing now. Put it in the books. Put it in the DSM it is a psychological condition. Now, I'm, I'm sure there are conditions where, you know, in, in trauma and abuse, a lot of people, you know, kids, kids' brains can't comprehend that their parents are bad. So a lot of times, um, if you have an abusive parent, you uh, might be trained to make excuses for them or love them more than other. Like, I, I get it. Like, the brain is complex. But this particular incident is not the story we were told. So that's that's what I'm focusing on here. So I'm just going to read her thread. And I always feel guilty doing stuff like this because it's nothing that I found out myself, but I figure rather than me trying to summarize, I'll just read her thread. So sit back and enjoy. Everything I'm saying is written by Aaron Bow or Bo on Twitter. So in 1973, there was this bank robbery in Stockholm. Two gunmen took four bank clerks hostage. This doesn't happen much in Sweden. And the police response can most charitably be described as inept. They surrounded the bank and kept it under siege for six days. The public was wrapped. The police probably felt they couldn't back down. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? 
or the friends you find along the way. Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. They got off to a bang-up start when they sent their psychiatrist, Nils Bejero, and a teenaged kid who was thought to be the gunman's younger brother into the bank to negotiate. The kid was not, in fact, the younger brother, and he got shot. Nils got out, though. Put a pin in that. One of the hostages was a woman named Kristen Enmark. She strategically got close to the gunman, who seemed more sane and more stable. Oh, she got close to the gunman, the, the one gunman who seemed more sane and more stable, because she thought that getting his protection was the best bet for getting out of there. So again, I'm going to read that again. She strategically got close to the gunman who seemed the most sane and the most stable because she thought that getting his protection was the best bet for getting out of there. Definitely, she didn't want to leave their lives in the hands of the inept police. She tried to talk to our friend Nils, the psychiatrist, on the phone. He refused to talk to her. From inside the bank, she gave a radio interview. She said, quote, The police are playing with our lives, and they don't even want to talk to me. I'm the one who will die if anything happens. She was terrified the police would storm the bank, and she and the other hostages would be killed in the crossfire. She even called the Swedish prime minister, proposing a plan where she and another hostage would leave the besieged bank with the two robbers. The prime minister refused to agree, saying they couldn't give in to the demands of criminals. He told her, well, Kristen, you can't get out of the bank. You will have to content yourself that you will have died at your post. When the police finally did tear gas the place, they captured the gunmen and paraded them up and down the street. And Mark had had quite enough of theater that would have cast her as the dead hero that, and now they wanted to probably cast her as the dazed victim. So that sentence was written weirdly, but she knew they, that if she died, they'd be all too content to not examine why they let that happen, but instead to hold her up as the dead hero. And she knew upon getting out of there after tear gas was released that she would be thought of as the dazed victim. So she refused to get into a stretcher and walked out of the bank instead. She was not visibly traumatized in what the public considered the appropriate way. And she was critical of the police, especially their psychiatrist, Nils. It was at that point, it was at that point, okay? Are you with me? It was in that moment that Nils made up a syndrome, normal strong syndrome, normal storg syndrome for the part of the city, later Stockholm syndrome, on the spot, and diagnosed her with it without ever talking to her personally. Remember, he wouldn't talk to her. He wouldn't get on the phone with her when she was in the bank. So the author of the book, Jess Hill, writes, Stockholm Syndrome is a myth invented to discredit women victims of violence created by a psychiatrist 
with an obvious conflict of interest whose first instinct was to silence the woman questioning his authority. Oh my God, can you believe it? I love finding out that everything I knew wasn't true. I mean, I hate finding out that it's because once again, some dipshit guy. Men got a men, you know? I mean, craziness. I'm going to read that book. All right, so there you go. There's your lesson for today. I learn, you learn. I've got a Patreon subscriber question. Um, This is from Maisie. She said, I'd love to hear your take on personality tests, Enneagram, MBTI, love languages, big five. You know, I don't, I'm I'm not going to try to give a take on something I don't know anything about. Like I've never heard of MBTI, uh, big five. I don't know what that is. And and I'm going to say, I'm just not interested for me personally. For me, what really works is getting my astrological chart read every year. People can say it's bullshit. That's totally fine. But I've had enough success with someone saying, this time of year when this house is over here, you will, um, this is a great time to do this. I don't plan my life around it, but it, it looking back enough, like this happened because of that, it's a great way to, for me, to live in acceptance of, okay, so according to the chart here, um, the areas of my life that will be really fruitful will be finance and career. Oh, love life over here, a little quieter. And uh, oh, you know what? It's time to throw on my mini skirt and go out and have fun. Stuff like that. I don't have to live by it, but it, it, it gives me this sense of um, release and surrender where um, I don't know how to put it. Sometimes if if it lines up with what I'm already doing, I feel like, oh, great, I'm on the right track. Or I don't know how to put it. I don't, I hope no one thinks I take it so seriously that I'm not uh, knowing that I have free will and all that stuff. It, it's not about that. It's just, you know, it, it can give me a permission as well. Like, oh, this is a year for you to rest. You know, this isn't a, a very ambitious year because you're very settled. Oh, good. I, that's what I wanted anyway, right? Or, you know, but if it says I'm going to do something that I don't want to do, I don't do it. I just know. It's just, it's fun for me. But for me, especially with the, like, um, well, I have, I was diagnosed with ADHD 15 years ago, but with learning what the diagnosis actually means in the last year, that colors all of my personality. It doesn't really matter for me if I'm Enneagram this or love language that. It just doesn't matter because my executive functions are offline and I have to work, I have to work and I'm in a, like a coaching program now. I have to do work to get functioning and that covers everything from time management, organization, emotions, relationships. And so to me, those other things would be for fun. They they wouldn't give me any more insight that I feel I want um, that ADHD hasn't covered for me. Now, and also with the ADHD brain, like I tried to get into Enneagram maybe about 10 times, the same way I tried to do bullet journal. It just doesn't work for me. It's too, part of it's too complex. I'm not motivated. And with the ADHD brain, if it doesn't give you a hit of dopamine right away, we're probably just not going to do it. And I just didn't find it interesting enough for me. Now, I know a ton of friends who are, who love it and live by it and feel it really just, it's the same thing that astrology does for me. It just helps them 
solve for X, right? Like there was this one thing I could not figure out about why I felt a certain way of like, I don't know, sometimes I just want to be really private. Sometimes I just want to be really out there. But it was, it was, it was a grappling. It wasn't, oh, sometimes I'm this, sometimes I'm that. And my therapist was really over pathologizing it. And when I got my chart read, he's like, oh, you have this thing, like not many people are born with this thing in their house. And you're equally these two things. And whenever you're doing one, you wish you were doing the other. And, and that'll be your struggle your whole life. And it's like done. I don't have to sweat that anymore. Does that make sense? But for me, Enneagram, I felt like I could have been four of the numbers. Love language, I'm like, yeah, I'm everyone. I want presence, affection. I want all the things. And my love language depends on the person I'm with. Like, it just, I've I've been the person that does affection. I've been the person that does gifts. I've been the person that does communication. It, I, I wouldn't even know right now because I'm not in a relationship and half the ones I was in were barely functioning anyway. So it's, I have no idea, but I, I'm not that interested if that makes sense. Um, for me in my next romantic relationship, I probably won't be able to boil things down to this is my love language. It's going to have to do with um, my executive functions are offline. So this is, this is me ignoring you to do a spreadsheet. I'm so sorry. Um, my love language is that I want to do a spreadsheet and you want to watch a TV show and I want to too, but I'll want to later when you don't want to. And you'll think I'm being a contrarian, but it's really just because my impulses are everywhere, you know, but if the person has a love language and they want to talk to me about it, that's great. So in, in all in all, I will say my take on all of these things is that I think they're really useful tools for communication because at the end of the day, we're trying to learn about ourselves so that we can understand ourselves better. And I would assume a lot of times so we can tell other people how we want to be treated or what works best for us. And so some people find it helpful to say, oh, there's this thing, love language. And and yeah, it's not just that I love to buy presents, but it's that I'm very hurt if someone doesn't do the same thing back. And I have to realize, well, that's the way I show love. It doesn't mean if someone doesn't do it, they don't show love. So if they need that to explain to me or whomever, I'm all for it. I just, for me, these things, they they go right into my ADHD brain and I go into a spin cycle of, well, I don't know. I'm a little bit of this. I'm a little bit of that. But I, I mean, maybe I'm more of that, but what should I do? It, it's, it's, it's overwhelm. It's just instant overwhelm. So I just think as with anything that's a little bit, you know, telling us what our personality is, I guess, is just leave room for, like for me, I'm all for everything as long as people aren't joining a cult and as long as they leave room for free will and growth and change. And, you know, there's there's probably a time when I... If I was, let's say, following the love languages again, maybe one time I'm this, maybe another time I'm that. I don't know. So those are my takes. I know that's probably not very interesting of an opinion, but I guess it's it's my take. So this is an email from um, Justin. He says, uh, Jen, it's your longtime gay Gen Xer fan in Tennessee. I relate so much to every story you tell about a younger person having no clue what you're talking about when you casually mention a name like Harry Houdini. I feel like I may have emailed you this before, but you know, middle-aged memory. My best story is being out to dinner with my husband's 25-ish gay male cousin who did not know 
who Madonna was. I mean, really? He literally said, oh, she's like an old lady Gaga? Sigh. I didn't even attempt to bring up Grace Jones, Cher, or Abfab. I knew who Billie Holiday was when I was 13 with no internet. They really just don't try. Bless. No question, but just wanted to say hi and thanks for all you do. Oh, and the dryer saga? That would have made me actually scream at someone violently. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Oh, Justin, do you mean if you were me, you would have screamed violently? Or do you mean if if the neighbor, if you were the neighbor having to deal with my wool balls, would you please email me back and let me know? No fun podcast at jenkirkman.com. This is the thing. And, and, uh, and I wrote Justin back the same thing. If you don't know who Madonna is, I, I don't mean you can't name her top 10 songs or, you know, her discography or, you know, what was her best look. If you're like, I don't know who that is. And you're 25 and you're gay. Okay. It's not possible that your world is so small that you haven't heard this name. It's not me going, I can't believe everyone doesn't know who Max Headroom is. I mean, that is like a deep cut from the 80s. Madonna, guys, like literally, to me, it would be the same thing as if you went to the DMV and you couldn't see shit and you're making mistakes all over the place, and you fail the eye exam, and they give you a license anyway. You're a hazard to society. If you don't know who Madonna is, like, I'm, again, I'm saying, oh, who's that? That level of not knowing? You're not with the world. Like, you need to live in a group home. I'm sorry, you can't have a job. You you need to, like, I'm sure you have a job, but you're not, you need to be fired. You can't live alone. Like, you have to live in a group home. You're, something's wrong with you. Like, this is just not acceptable anymore. I think we need to start shaming people in the streets. I really do. They don't have to like Madonna, but you gotta know. I Guys, honestly, I feel between this and people who just keep getting COVID and I just see everyone's brains rotting and how there's just no government funding to try to do anything about this disease worldwide, I just go, I'm in like the last five years of the planet. The last five. I think we're going to extinct ourselves before the climate does. I re- I said it in my Netflix special, uh, the first one I did, and I'll say it again. I just think we're going to get so stupid. We're going to, we're going to die off before the planet has a chance. I, I can't, I can't, I, I cannot. Because again, the internet, you guys, the internet. (sighs) Oh, we got to end with this. I haven't let you guys in on what's been going on on the Nextdoor app. There's a lot of crazy shit. Um, There's one story that's just too much to get get into this time, but I'll do it next week. But um, this woman wrote this a couple days after Christmas. I realize that everyone is trying to be helpful and warn people of nefarious doings around the neighborhood, but I have to be honest, this is the most depressing social media site I have ever been a part of. Nine out of 10 posts are about break-ins, thievery, attacks, police activity, shootings. I thought this would be a fun place to share some positives about the neighborhood, but it's just too negative. I know this stuff is going on in the world. I don't need to be constantly reminded. And as such, I'm abandoning the site for more positive energies elsewhere. Good luck to all and have a safe and prosperous new year. Now, I think it's funny that this woman joined the Nextdoor app thinking 
It's a place to go say positive things about the neighborhood. That's literally was never the point. I thought it was always supposed to be low key, kind of a neighborhood watch thing where you don't go, guess what I saw today? A guy high-fiving his dog. You know, it's about like I saw someone stealing Amazon packages off people's porches. Okay, so we're going to at the end of this see if she really stuck to her New Year's resolution of staying off. Let's see what people write. Linda says, learn to skim. Oh, Linda is just, she has no empathy. I found that I was able to help someone with getting something they needed and so the depressing stuff, yes, but there is good happening. Carol says, bye-bye. Find your truths and info elsewhere. This is my only social site, and I learned a tremendous amount, positive and negative, to make my life safer and better. Miriam says, is there a place with all-inclusive positivity? I would love to go there too. Yeah, it's called heaven. <laughs> the truth is that here we learn a lot, get good recommendations, become alert of what's going on around us, and also witness human compassion. You can't block reality. What I hate here are the ads. Tom says, I just gave away some boxes to a family that bought a new house, and it was a very positive experience. I hope you find what you're looking for. Chris says, I couldn't comment on here earlier, so I just sent you a message. Hope it was helpful. LOL. Message. Arthritis in my pointer finger. People probably think I am always tipsy. Paige says, scroll up, take what you want, and leave the rest. Don says, part of the purpose of this website is for all of us to know the goings-on, if you will. She put that all in quotes. The good and the bad. Like Paige says, take what you want and leave the rest. Everyone has their own reason for being on this website. And should you choose not to be, that is your prerogative. Sorry, I just feel like everything in life is a bit of a choice. And if you choose not to be here, I'll bid you adieu. Shanina says, if you manage to find a social media with an overwhelmingly positive vibe, please, please do come back to let the rest of us know. Wow, these people are bitches. Rachel says, this is not an airport. No need to announce your departure. Charles says, it's so true, though. This feels like a wasteland of horrors. Jody says, read the Bible. Not all hearts and flowers there either. Some people had some very bad days. <laughs> but in the end, it tried to encourage us to take care of each other. <laughs> these people are unfucking. Hinge. Diane says, time to move. Crime is not getting any better in Cali. Sarkis says, this is not for social networking. This is for reporting and connecting with people when there are issues around the neighborhood. Social platforms are not meant to make you happy. You want a place or platform that will make you happy? Go socialize with actual people face to face. Oh my God. Whew. David says, not everything is always enjoyable. If the world was made of fair weather friends like you, we'd never survive anything. Whoa. Wow. Someone just wrote, it's a mirror of us. 
Wow. All right, let's just see if she stayed on. I'm going to click on her profile and see what her last post was. Wow. That was her last post. What's ironic is her only post. She joined on October 27th and it said, welcome Ambrose. And then her first last only post was December 27th, which was just like, I'm out of here. It's too negative. Well, good for her. She walked the walk. She's walking her own walk in 2023. Are you guys doing that? Can you say the same? How many things have you said you're going to do and you didn't? I don't know. That's not to make you feel bad. If you want to feel better, go listen to a podcast that's about, go listen to Fun Fun. (laughs) Oh boy, thanks for being here. And again, next week's episode, um, the third Thursday of the month is for all levels. So stay tuned. And the last episode of the month is just for the $5 level. So just to catch you up, if you needed to know, uh, you can change levels. You can go to the link that I put in the notes here on the Patreon site. If you need to change levels, go up, go down, whatever you need to do. And um, and if you want to put this in your own favorite podcast app, there's instructions there. You just have to go to patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman, sign in. And where you see this week's episode posted, you'll see all those links. I think that's it. If you want to send me an email, nofunpodcast at jenkirkman.com. And of course, Until next week, have fun.